We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From the WEEI Studios, the home of Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app. This hour of the Christian Arcan Show is brought to you by Shaw's. Shaw's, the official supermarket of the Red Sox Network. And now, a Boston original on Boston Sports Original. It's Christian Arcan on WEEI. All right, good afternoon. Welcome in. Sports Radio WEEI. It's me, Arcan. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> just talking with Ken and Curtis. Uh, on the way out. So a lot to get to today. There's a very important football game tomorrow. The Celtics are showing some cracks in the armor here. Bruins, too. And the Red Sox are losing everybody. <laughs> I mean, the Red Sox The Red Sox have got people at their wits' end with that team. Um, if you were listening this week, you know what uh, what's up around these parts. And I think if you were uh, listening yesterday, you heard what you needed to hear about it. Um... And that's basically all I have to say. I don't think that there's much that I can add. Uh, So I won't. I won't add anything to it. I think that everything has been said and will continue to be said uh, over the next couple of days. And that's uh, that's the most I'm going to get into it today. Um, I think that's the most appropriate thing for me to do here. But as we all know, it's been a crazy week. (laughs) I mean, it's really been a a wild, wild week. Um, Yeah. for all the uh for all the talk about you know what's going on around uh around here and other places and, and sort of everything, it's uh it, it's tough this time of year, but you know there's a show to do, there's things to talk about and the show must go on. And uh that's the best I can I can give for you today. I'll tell you what been a pretty bad week for the Patriots it's been a pretty bad week for the Celtics it's been a pretty bad week for the Bruins and it's been a pretty bad week for the Red Sox now when I say it's been a bad week for the Patriots they won a football game this week so it wasn't all bad okay I'm not going to pretend like it's been this terrible terrible thing that the Patriots are you know a lost cause or that they're going to be picking at the top of the draft or anything like that no one uh, no one thinks that here Uh, certainly not me but for a team that won a game in primetime on Monday, it wasn't a super uplifting, positive type of week for them, was it? Like, you know, wouldn't you think that a team like that, that just uh, weaseled their way into a playoff spot, don't you think, I don't know, things would be a little bit more uh, optimistic, a little happier around there? You heard the press conferences, you heard the interviews, you heard the reports. You heard what Andrew Callahan was saying, what Phil Perry was saying this week about what it's like in that room and what it's like uh, with these players and the coaching staff and how borderline adversarial it's becoming. You heard Kyrie Thompson just talking about it. For a team that's 7-6, and six, 
and very much in the playoff picture, you would think that things were much worse. And I was thinking about why that is, and it's pretty obvious if you if you look at it. The obvious reason is because <laughs> if you're a team that if you're a team that has aspirations of winning in the postseason and knocking off the top teams in the AFC and being a a, a team that you have to take seriously after the holidays, then you look at this team and don't see really any of those qualities or possibilities, do you? I don't. I see a team that can beat teams like Arizona. They can beat teams like the Jets. They can beat teams like, and I know the Jets were a playoff team for a lot of the year too, but you know what I mean. They can beat Pittsburgh with uh, Trubisky, who's playing again this week. Uh, They can beat Sam Ellinger. They can beat, you know, teams of that ilk. Uh, They haven't shown that they can do much else. They haven't shown that they can win against quality quarterbacks. They haven't shown that they can win against quality offenses, quality coaches. Um, they haven't shown any of that. And I think the reason why there wasn't as much, uh, you know, hugging and kissing going on after that Arizona game has less to do with the fact that, you know, well, we were only beating bad teams. It's that nothing's really changing. Nothing's really improved. We're not progressing at all. It sort of seems like the same problems that we've been having earlier on in the season, we're still having now. The things that we were good at earlier on in the season, we're still good at now, which is generally in terms of the defense, beating the crap out of lousy quarterbacks like Colt McCoy and you know, Ellinger and Wilson and the rest of those guys that you uh, that you beat this year. And going back to last year, a lot of crappy quarterbacks last year too. Um, considering where this team is and what they've done, the fact that there's a mini rebellion brewing in that locker room is kind of weird. You, you read about it, and you hear about it, and you think, well, get over it. Come on, team. <laughs> How bad can it be? And I think you're underestimating a couple of things, or at least whistling right past them. Because this isn't unusual. This isn't something new from the Patriots. Do How far back do you really even need to go? To find a time when a star player, despite winning games, was unhappy. You really just have to go back to Tom Brady, or you can go back to Rob Gronkowski, or you can go back to Danny Amendola, or you can go back to Julian Edelman, or you can go back to any of those guys. This isn't new. This isn't something that just popped up this season. There, In 2009, Bill said, I can't get these guys to play how I want them to. You know who he was talking about? Guys that he had signed or traded for recently. Guys like Randy Moss and Adelius Thomas. And, you know, you remember who's on the 09 team. I'm not going to go back over the roster, but that was that was his problem. Guys were unhappy. There was players who loved playing here, too. I'm not saying everybody was unhappy. There's plenty of guys who love being Patriots, and they go on and on about it all the time. A lot of them come and do hits on this radio station, okay? So I'm not trying to paint them all as, you know, hating the team or hating the coach. But there were plenty of guys who didn't like it here. There were plenty of guys who were sort of fed up with it by the time their uh, their contracts were up or it was the time to negotiate or whatever. Speaking of that, by the way, I heard Florio talking about trading Bill Belichick. <laughs> that, we're doing that again? We're talking about trading Bill again? Huh. He said a first-round pick. A first-round pick for 70-year-old Bill Belichick? Yeah? You won't even get a first, you couldn't get a first-round pick for Tom Brady right now. Who's giving up a first for Bill Belichick? Like that, I'm sorry. Like, I don't, I, that sounded to me like, uh, 
like the ramblings of a crazy person, but I don't know. Florio probably heard it somewhere. Probably heard it somewhere. Um, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Private meetings this week. Players holding coaches accountable was a uh, phrase that we heard. This isn't this isn't just run-of-the-mill stuff. I know that I've said it's happened before, and it has. I mean, there's been great star players on the Patriots who won a lot here and still didn't really like the way things were going. But I feel like this is different. This is different from, like, a culture war. This is more of a philosophical thing, you know? Like, this isn't, I'm Gronk and I like going riding motorbikes, you know? Like, this is, they're not helping us. This isn't working because of us. That's the thing about all those guys, Brady and Gronkowski and Amendola and Edelman, everybody else who didn't, you know, be free when Amendola left. You remember that? Be free, my son. Oh, it's so great that you got to get out of here, that you got to get out of football jail. Rob Gronkowski retires from football, sponsors a CBD company. In the first press conference they have, he's up there crying about how playing for New England made him hate football. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I don't have joy anymore. There's no happiness in my life. Like, yeah, that sounds like a guy who really enjoyed his time in Foxborough, I would think. Like, right. And then as soon as Brady goes to Tampa Bay, he unretires and goes there and plays with him. That wasn't just about playing with Tom Brady. That was about getting out of here, <laughs> okay? Like, I feel like people just have memory hold all that and can't understand why players would be upset or players might not like the way things are going. There were certain players that didn't like the way things were going when things were going great. When you were a dynasty, there were players who still, like, weren't down with the with the program, all right? Now you're a 500 team, and you're surprised that these free agents and, like, second-year players and rookies and so forth are all kind of looking around like, what is this? What's going on here? Why, why are these guys telling us anything? Why are these guys in charge of this? Why am I not getting the direction that I need from the coaching staff here? Like, what what's going on? But I also think that the further down that rabbit hole you go, the more two things become very clear to me anyway. I don't know if it's clear to everybody, but I did, I see this clearly. This makes sense to me. The further you go down that rabbit hole of the coaching being the, the main problem, the further away you get from how much this team's kind of disappointed in general. And I'm talking about the players. I'm talking about high-priced free agents who flopped talking about second-year players who, yeah, maybe didn't get the coaching that they needed, but certainly haven't grabbed this offense by the reins and uh, and made it into something that they can work with. You know, at some point, it gets a little old talking about how Mac Jones, well, he doesn't have the coach. Well, they're not telling him what to do. Well, they're calling all these short passes. All right, well, then you know what? Get in the huddle and audible into a long one. You know, like at some point, don't you want to just take matters into your own hands here? At some point, if the coaching is so bad and if everything's so wrong and if nothing's working and whatever, wouldn't you just, I don't know, show a little balls and go out there and and, then make a change? I don't hear a lot about that. You know, everybody agrees that this offensive coaching and play calling is not good, right? Everyone agrees that Mac Jones is sort of being done wrong this year, right? So don't we all also sort of agree that... You know, Tom Brady or not even Tom Brady because that's an unfair thing to compare him to. How about Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins goes in the huddle. He's getting a bunch of plays in from the sideline he doesn't like. He'll change the play. He'll change the play and say, no, we're doing this. No, we're doing this. I'm going downfield. Instead of screaming about, oh, the short game sucks. Oh, I don't like the short game. Change it. Do it yourself. What are they going to do, bench you? (laughs) I mean, I guess they could. Kind of done it before. But they're not going to bench him if it works. 
They're not going to bench him if you take some shots downfield and they work and you connect and you get in the end zone. I know it's nice to to be coached hard or whatever. I you know I I've heard him talk about this a lot. I've heard Mac Jones talk about being coached hard a lot. It's it's something that he always brings up. And I feel like this week there was a little added oomph to it, right? Being coached hard. Yeah, Josh coached me hard. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, Josh, come in here. You want to be coached a little harder maybe this year by uh, by your coaches. But Josh, now nah, there's a guy. There's a guy who knew how to coach. You know? I just It just seems like it's all sort of coming to a head, doesn't it? You can win games. You can win games with your defense. We've seen teams do that before. We've seen teams win games almost exclusively with their defense. Um, I'm not comparing Mac Jones to Tim Tebow or anything, but that team made the playoffs. Tebow's Broncos made the playoffs, and it wasn't because of Tim Tebow. You know, like you can get there with great special teams, great defense, forcing turnovers, that sort of thing. And when the Patriots go out and play a bad team uh, or a bad quarterback, they do all those things. And they've had a pretty charm season all in all. And last year was a pretty charm season, too, when you when you look at the games that they won and who they won them against and how it all sort of came together. But the defense went out there and they made plays. Okay, they they did it. They made it happen. The offense hasn't gone out there and made plays really at all. Uh, the Vikings game and the Baltimore game. That's when you saw them go out there and, and really move the ball and make plays, I guess. And uh, those were not games that they were particularly competitive in. So I don't think that there's, you know, like they hung around in that in that Vikings game. Baltimore game, they didn't. Uh, once Chicago started putting up numbers on them, they couldn't hang in that game. Like there was not, there hasn't been enough uh, examples of the offense working to to look at it and say that this is something to continue doing. There's just there's no way you can uh, there's no way you can come away with that. And Mac Jones has to know that by now. He got another winnable game coming up tomorrow. Extremely winnable game tomorrow. A game you should win tomorrow. A game I from the beginning of the year had marked off as a win. You have tomorrow. And that's before I saw how bad the Raiders are this year. I thought even with that, even with that, this is a winnable game. But you know what? As the season's gone on, and I've watched these Vegas teams sort of, you know, flail around and the Patriots win games in spite of their lousy offense, I'll tell you, my view on this game's changed a little bit. Is it still a winnable game? That hasn't changed. I still think it's a very winnable game. But does that mean I think they're going to win? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. And I'll tell you why. they got two big problems. Number one, it's an ex-coach. It's a Belichick coaching tree coach, which for some reason this is the only games that those particular coaches ever win is when they play Bill and the Patriots. And then they lose every single other game they ever coach. It's really quite something. (laughs) They dominate the Patriots and get just abused by the rest of the league. Um, McDaniels was just here. Josh McDaniels, I think, knows the strengths and weaknesses of Mac Jones. Uh, not only that, I think he knows how to attack that defense. And I think he's got the weapons to actually do it. He probably looks at that defense and thinks, man, if I was coaching this Patriots team, I wouldn't be able to score on that defense. But I'm not. I'm coaching the Raiders. Now, that's not to say that I think the Raiders' defense is great. They got good pass rushers, but their secondary kind of sucks and their linebackers kind of suck too. Um, their offense is pretty good. Their line's not great, but their receivers are elite. Their tight end's pretty good. I know he might not play, but uh, he's off IR. And their running back's top tier. Their quarterback's fine. Better than Mac. 
but he's not great. He's fine. And uh, I think that the uh, head coach is not a great. I don't think Josh is a great head coach. But I do think that these are the kind of games that he's built for. You know, you flex me out of prime time, I'll show you. I'll show all of you, and definitely I'll show you, Bill. Uh, we'll get to more Patriots thoughts. Mac Jones had a lot. Weekdays, 2 to 6. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Celtics lost to the Magic last night. They'll host the Magic again tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Bruins look to extend their home point streak to 18 games. They host the Blue Jackets today. Puck drop uh, just happened, as a matter of fact. Red Sox traded for reliever Wyatt Mills from the Royals to make room on the roster. They have designated Eric Hosmer for assignment. Patriots are in Las Vegas. They'll take on the Raiders tomorrow. Kickoff is at 4.05. Devontae Parker, Isaiah Wynn, Jalen Mills, Damian Harris have been ruled out already. Ramondre Stevenson and Jack Jones listed as questionable. Jacoby Myers will play tomorrow. Three NFL games today. Colts visiting the Vikings. That game just kicked off. Browns host the Ravens at 4.30. We'll join that game in progress after 6. After the Bradfoe Show, also Dolphins in Buffalo. Kickoff at 8.15. We'll also bring you that game right here on 93.7 at WEEI. I'm Christian Arkin. That's what's trending now. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Christian Arcan on WEEI. Yeah, before the question of the week, what was the one thing that 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 uh, that you remember most about what uh, Josh McDaniels taught you? Was there anything that stands out more than others? Yeah, I think Josh is a, a great coach and pushed me really hard and coached me hard, and we just worked together and we were with each other every day and working hard. So he expects a lot of, out of his players, and he's a smart smart guy. He's got great memory, great recall. He remembers things from certain games and, and all that. So. Definitely a great coach, and looking forward to you know going against them, you know this weekend. Get, get, get down. Sports Radio WEEI, it's Arkan here, taking you up until four o'clock on the program. Uh, once again, we'll be joined by John Corrales at two thirty. Mike Dussault, Patriots dot com, will join the show at three thirty. Looking forward to both of that. We'll get to your phone calls in just a moment at 617-779-7937. By the way, quick score update. The Colts now lead the Vikings 10-0. Jonathan Taylor, though, going to the locker room. There was a uh, blocked kick, which led to the touchdown just a few minutes ago there. To be honest with you, I just put it on. Uh, Bruins and the Blue Jackets are scoreless over at uh, TD Garden. I'll keep you posted on what's going on there as well. And we'll talk Celtics next hour. But uh, in the meantime, I wanted to just touch on what Mac was saying there about Josh McDaniels. Um, it wasn't 
And that was uh, Foyer asking the question there. It was a pretty straightforward question and a pretty straightforward answer. But I thought he answered that a little bit differently than he answers the questions about the coaching staff this year. And not in the way that sort of suggests, okay, you uh, you are riding with the guys you have now and that's what it's all about. It was more of a, uh, to me anyway, the 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 things you hear there seem a little bit more like they're coming of a place of respect. And that's maybe just my interpretation. I'm not sure. I don't know if everyone agrees with that, but I hear him talk about Josh and the way that he coached them and how he coached them harder and all that other stuff. And I think of the other things he said this year, and it just sort of, that's that's just how it comes across to me. And there's no reason why uh, Mac Jones shouldn't respect Josh McDaniels. He had a much better year with that guy as his uh, as his play caller. If I was Mac Jones, I'd respect the hell out of Josh McDaniels considering what I'm putting up with now today. Uh, that's not even close. But I think that you can hear it. You can hear it in those answers. And I know that I've been psychoanalyzing these Mac Jones answers a lot the last couple of weeks, and for that I apologize, but I do think that there's something to be gleaned from it. And when you hear about private meetings and you hear about players holding coaches responsible and the rest of that, uh, it, it stands to reason that you'd want to maybe get in the head of the quarterback, who I would have to imagine is one of the biggest voices, because if the quarterback's not on board, then really what do you have? In terms of a rebellion, if you can't get the QB on board, your rebellion's not going very far, I wouldn't think. And maybe rebellion's a little strong, but whatever. You know what I'm talking about. If they're going to take a stand here, they gotta they got to show a united front. And everything I've heard, every report that I've heard uh, from that locker room, from sources, from reporters, from whoever, every single one of them all say the same thing, and that is that the players have Max back. They've got his back. Yep. Don't have to worry about that. Is Mac pouting on the sideline? Sure. Is Mac maybe getting a little too big for his britches? I don't know. You can make that call on your own. But I can tell you what, he hasn't lost that locker room. He's not lost that locker room. Maybe him and the coaches don't get along, but those players like him. Those players have not uh, turned their back on number 10. Uh, Or if they have, they've been very, very quiet about it (laughs) and gone out in public and said the opposite. 617-779-7937. 617-779-7937. That's your phone number. Let's go to the phones. Let's talk to my good friend, who I haven't talked to in a long time. Uh, that would be Kelly in Amherst. Kelly, how the hell are you? Arkan, I'm doing very well. You're a total badass. Good to have you here Thanks, in the uh, Pioneer Valley. Every time I go out to Boston, which is not much, I always see if I can catch you. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you here where my little radio can actually hear you a little more often. Easy to uh, find so these days, Kelly. I'm easy to find, my friend. Uh, what's on your mind? I love it. Yeah. So here's the thing, man. I really agree with what you were saying before, where it's like these players, it's almost like it's like a PR battle. They're trying to shift all the blame onto the coaches. So everybody watching on TV and all the people in the Twitter world or whatever, I'm not going to talk trash on them. But I think it's really hard to try to analyze play calling you know if you see a really terrible play call like that playoff game where they did a fake punt and it cost them the game a couple years ago not the pats i'm talking about i forget who that was like a really really questionable call that's one thing but overall to question the play calling i think that's off i blame the players more than the coaches and here's my thought when zappy was in there they were throwing it all over the field yeah 
I literally heard people on this very station, grown-ups I'm talking about, saying, oh, well, they're purposely calling better plays for Zappy and calling bad plays for Matt. I mean, like, if that's, that's not very nice of them. With, that's not nice of them to do yeah, that, Kelly. I think. That, that's crazy. I think that is the worst take of all time. And you know what? Final thought, the best take of all time is what you just said a minute ago, man. You got the damn ball in your hands. If you get to the line and you don't like the short plays they're calling, audible into a long one. That's all I got. All right. Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate the uh, kind words at the beginning there, too. Um, Kelly's been calling me for years. Uh, yeah. Part of me feels for Mac Jones a lot, really. I think that Mac Jones has been kind of porked over this year. Part of me also thinks at some point, can you get with the program? It may not be a great program, but it's all you got. That's all that's happening this year. And it sure doesn't seem like you're really meeting anybody halfway either. Now, maybe there's not much to meet halfway, okay? I'm not going to pretend like this is a great spot to be in. But we're at week 14 here, and nothing's changed. Nothing's gotten better. That's not all coaching. I'm sorry. It's just not. That's not all coaching, okay? Some of it is. The offense not move. I mean, there's part right. Like it's not all the some of the play calls. I think we all agree have been pretty confusing and disappointing. Colts are about to score again. By the way, why do the Vikings suck today? I thought the Vikings had this one in the bag. The Colts right now are carving them up. Um. Anyway, <laughs> the. Uh, the the way, the place I fall the most with, with Mac Jones, what I always sort of find myself coming back to, is even though he does sound a little bit bratty, even though there is sort of this element of what the hell have you done to go out there and question any of these coaches, you know, who the hell are you? He's not in a good spot. He's not in a good spot. He wasn't put into a good spot. And whatever argument you want to make about how he should be better about this and he should be, you know, meeting them halfway or whatever else. And I do think that there's an argument to be made there. But even if you want to make that argument, it always still sort of comes back to the same thing, which is that this didn't need to happen. This didn't have to go this way. You put a guy in a bad spot and then want to blame him for not reacting well to it like that's I don't think that's fair especially not to a second-year player. If you're talking about Colt McCoy, all right, someone who's been around the league for 10 years and uh, is a backup or something and has to go into a game when they're down 30 points and that sucks and he's getting booed, all right, fine. Like, that's that's what you signed up for. You're a, you're a journeyman quarterback, all right? That's what journeyman quarterback go out there and do. That's not what Mac Jones is. That's not what he was supposed to be. And that's not the track that he was on either. So not only does Mac Jones feel like he's not as good – he also feels like this track that he was on of a playoff quarterback who made the Pro Bowl, kind of, uh, is now completely derailed. And he's right to feel that way because that's what's going on. And this isn't just, you know, the Patriots making the playoffs or not this year. This is his career. This is his future. This is his family. I mean, it's all those things. Because of that, I think you have to also consider that, you know, maybe it's not just him being a hyper competitor out there on the field. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's very competitive. Football player, most professional athletes are pretty competitive people, I'd say, by nature. But they're not all lighting up their coaches. No, no, no. They do that when they feel like maybe this is going to mess up my money. 
Like, do you see Nelson Aguilar on the sidelines screaming at Matt Patricia? Do you see Hunter Henry or John Smith lighting up any of the coaches on the, on the sideline? No, you don't. You know who you see doing it? Mac Jones. You know why? Because Mac Jones is on a rookie contract. You know, like, I hate to put it in such black and white terms, but am I wrong? You're talking about a guy here who wants to get that second contract, like Bill, uh, no, it wasn't second contracts with all those guys, but some of them it was, that, you know, you dish out to people when they when they come up. Or really what you want is that fifth-year option to get picked up. Then you get paid in the high end of your position. That's great. Uh, don't think that's happening from Mac Jones, Not uh, not if things continue this way. I mean, this season, barring a massive turnaround, this season's kind of a lost season for him, isn't it? Here's what can save it. Got to win tomorrow, first of all. You don't even have to win decisively. You don't have to go out there and have a great offensive showing. I don't care if you win off of just defense and special teams. I don't care how you win that game, but you got to win that game. You got to do whatever it takes to win that game. You got to deflate the footballs, tape the walkthrough, do whatever you got to do. Go out there and win that game tomorrow. You have to. It's a must. After that, you just got to win one. You just got to win one and you're in, basically, right? If you can get to nine and eight, you got the tiebreaker with the Jets. I think you're in. Um, there's obviously mathematical possibilities that would prevent it, but I think that you become a uh, 65, I don't know, something I have to go and check the 538 thing. And I know 538 is not always right. Just check the election or the NBA finals last year or any other number of things, but they are close. You know, they had the Celtics be in there at the end. They were right about that. <laughs> so I'm not completely off the 538 boat, but I'm not 100% on it either. <laughs> either way, um, three games after that, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, you got to win one. One out of three. You got three kicks at the can. And if you can just win one of those games, you're going to the playoffs, and you're probably not going any further than that. I don't think this is a team that's, a, making the playoffs, and B, winning a playoff game if they do, uh, if they somehow manage to squeak in there, if they somehow manage to get a win against the Bengals or the Bills or the Dolphins, which I'm sorry, I just, <laughs> you know, it's hard, it's hard to envision that. But it starts tomorrow. Um, people talked about that Cardinals game. You know, Bedard had his report about how it was so important for Belichick's future. Um, that was the one that made this possible. And then if you win again, that makes that three kicks at the can possible too. And you know why I'm happy about that above all else? Even though I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs, those games are going to matter now. If they had lost on Monday to Arizona, this game tomorrow doesn't matter. Bengals don't matter. Dolphins don't matter. Bills don't matter. The season's over. You're picking up the pieces. You may be wondering what you're going to do at quarterback next year. There's a lot of questions that are going to be springing uh, up, Not, not to mention, you know, the coaching situation and everything there. I don't know if Bill was going to get fired on the spot. I don't think that was ever really reported by anybody, but I do think that there was going to be some serious talks there in uh, Foxborough about the future of everyone, as well there should have been if your season's over at week 14. But it's not. And not only is it not over, but a win tomorrow in those last three games are all important because you can lose the first two and win the last one and still make the playoffs. And that's really what, what matters, doesn't it? The end of the season being good. Kirk Cousins just fell straight down. Is it anyone? Are the Vikings taking a dive? Like, literally. It looks like Kirk Cousins literally just took a dive. <laughs> he took the snap, took one step backwards, and fell over. 
like uh, <laughs> like a fence. Just <laughs> this game's unbelievable. Uh, who are where are the Vikings that kicked the crap out of the Patriots a couple weeks ago? Where are those guys? Uh, the ones that beat Buffalo. Where are these bumbling morons out here <laughs> getting smoked by Indianapolis? Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the phone number. Let's go to the phones. Mike is in the car and he thinks that. Uh, oh, he thinks that uh, Max wrong. Go ahead, Mike. Mike. Mike in the car, going once. All right, I'm gonna pop you back on hold there, Mike. We'll see if we can. Uh, we'll see if we can find you. Comment line said you're dumb if you think Mac is in the right here. Um. Dumb if you think Mac is in the right here. I don't think Mac's right. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think he's right. I think he's been put in a bad position, but I'm not necessarily sure he's handled it right. I mean, what what am I supposed to say? The offense has been a disaster. Is there anything he could have done to make it better? I have to assume there is. I have to assume that there is. I don't know what that is. I'm not a football player, and I'm certainly not a coach. But watching Mac Jones go out there and, uh, you know, miss on these throws and, you know, yell and scream and complain and get all upset, like, I just, I, at some point it's like, all right, we'll do something about it. Go ahead, Mac, do it. You're the quarterback. Go out there and do something about it. And if you try and it doesn't work and they bench you for Bailey Zappi, you can at least say, well, I tried. You know, I tried to go out there and, uh, and, and get this offense going. But it wasn't happening. And it hasn't happened since we played Minnesota, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's the truth. I think that when you look at uh, the ex-coach factor, too, you're not just talking about Josh McDaniels. You're talking about Mick Lombardi, who was their offensive coordinator. Um, You're talking about their quarterback's coach, who is Bo Hardigree, and you're talking about their O-line coach, who's Carmen Brasillo. Your offensive line coach right now is Matt Patricia. Your quarterback's coach is Joe Judge. And your offensive coordinator is nobody. Again, the Raiders are not some team that you want to emulate necessarily. Right? They're not. They're not a team that you look at and say, man, I wish we could be more like them. I wish we could be more like the four. How many games have they even won? I don't even know. They suck. <laughs> they're not very good. I'm not. I'm not trying to. They're five and eight. Okay, like they they're garbage. But you look at them and you look what they they're you know how they've been playing lately anyway. And you look at the coaching staff and you think, man, on offense in particular, a real offensive line coach, a real quarterbacks coach, a real offensive coordinator. You don't want to be like the Raiders. But if you had those three things, don't you feel like things would be different around here? Don't you feel like it would just be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more symbiotic? Like there would be more uh, to to feel good about in terms of the progression of the quarterback? Don't you think the offense would look better? Don't you think it'd be a little bit more copacetic overall? How could it not be? How could it be worse than this if you had real coaches at those positions? And so, not only do you not. But you have three guys on that offensive coaching staff who know everything there is to know about the Patriots and what they do. The Patriots have not made their offense tougher to defend this year. They haven't made it more difficult to go out there and stop them. Anybody can stop the Patriots. 
The only teams that haven't really stopped the Patriots this year are the Ravens and the Vikings, and that's it. Everybody else has stopped them, even the teams they've they've beaten. And that, I think, is enough to tell you that guys who have inside intel and sort of already know what the what the deal is are at a major advantage. And that advantage, I think, is something that could push Vegas over the top tomorrow. I do. They're at home. The game's important to them, maybe not as important in terms of playoff seating and everything as it is for the Patriots. I think the Raiders are still technically alive. Um, but, you know, it's it's a more realistic playoff uh, scenario for New England. No question about that. But for the Raiders, a team that in week three of the preseason dog-walked you up and down that field. <laughs> like, for them, for them, I think this is, like, there was a time the last 20 years, whenever a team played the Patriots, they treated it like it was their Super Bowl. I don't think anyone's doing that anymore except for these Raiders. I think these Raiders are still talking about this game, circling this game, this Super Bowl for them. Absolutely. And for the Patriots, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I do remember that game with Denver Broncos, the Tom Brady game against, I think it was Kyle Orton, and uh, Brandon Marshall maybe was on the team. I forget who even the, the players were back in 2009. When uh, McDaniels and the Broncos beat Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and McDaniels was on the sideline fist pumping like he was the situation for like ten minutes, <laughs> like he's DJ Pauly D. And if you look at the record against his ex coaches since then, it's not it's not much better. He lost to Matt Patricia. He lost to Matt Patricia in the Lions. The Lions didn't beat anybody. You want to talk about a revolt? There was a revolt in that locker room. And they still somehow kicked Bill and the Patriots' ass. So you tell me. 617-779-7937. That's the phone number. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about that game we saw on Thursday. Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers and what they accomplished against Seattle and why I think that still matters to the Patriots and what they're trying to do. We'll get to all of that with your phone calls right after this. Covering Boston sports and beyond. We're back to Christian Arcan on WEEI. Fake toss, two fake tosses, and then to Kittle over the middle. Touchdown, San Francisco. He faked it to McLeod, he faked it to McCaffrey, and then hits Kittle over the middle. Tell me this guy doesn't look like he's in the seventh year of the league. Uh, again. Outstanding execution, but Kyle Shanahan knows how to draw these plays up. All right, we're back here. Sports Radio WEEI. It's Arkan taking you up until 4 o'clock, and then it's Brad Foe Show. Yeah. Excited for that. After Brad Foe will uh, join NFL Football in Progress. I think that takes you all through the rest of the night. Uh, nice to have you with us today. Phone number 617-779-7937. Got room for you there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Christian Arkan. Why'd I play that? Well... That was Brock Purdy. Brock, you got a Purdy mouth Purdy (laughs) out there uh, slinging it in Seattle. And I think that that clip we just played encapsulated everything. All the frustrations, everything that we sort of, you know, have pent up here about this team and this offense. You sort of look at what's going on in San Francisco, how they drafted a quarterback, realized he wasn't ready, 
went back to Jimmy Garoppolo, who everybody sort of assumed was not someone you could trust anymore. Jimmy Garoppolo puts up big-time numbers, then gets hurt, and then after getting hurt, they go to this kid Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, and they have a five-, six-game win streak that hasn't been interrupted. They just keep on winning. It just doesn't matter who. George Kittle, they'll find him. Christian McCaffrey, they made a big move for. Uh, They have playmakers at every position on that offense. Their two wide receivers are better than any Patriots wide receiver. Christian McCaffrey's a top running back. George Kittle hasn't had a great year, but he's still, I think, a top tight end, and he tore apart the Seahawks in that game on Thursday. And most importantly, and you heard it at the end, Kyle Shanahan knows how to draw up these kind of plays. That play we just, that clip, I don't know if you remember it, but is a fake pitch, then he turns around, another fake pitch. Offensive line's blocking, everything's holding up. The Seahawks bite on the first one, couple guys stay out. They they go back on the on the second fake, and they fall for that one after holding up on the first. And then there's George Kittle right there open, going down the scene. He hits him. Boom, right in the end zone. And I remember watching him out there and thinking, man, <laughs> it's not like the Seahawks have a great defense or anything, but man. You don't see you don't see this too often here in New England. You don't see an offense operating at this level that often here in the here in New England. The Vikings just tried a fake punt. It didn't work. <sighs> I'm so glad that gambling's not legal in the state yet cuz I definitely wouldn't have bet on Minnesota this morning. <laughs> if it was and I definitely wouldn't be watching this game irate right now at how it's going. <laughs> is this does this count for primetime Kirk Cousins, by the way? It's Saturday. Saturday at one o'clock, is that technically primetime? I feel like it isn't. I feel like it's not. One o'clock in the afternoon at any time is not primetime. It's the only game on, now I'll give you that. But does that necessarily make it primetime? I, I say no. I say no. Then again, what do you call this? I don't know, but it's uh it's ugly. It's ugly what we're seeing here. Um, Jeff Saturday, I saw a stat, first coach named Saturday to coach on a Saturday, probably going to win on a Saturday too. So, Another trivia question there for you. Let's go to the phones. Dave is in Amherst uh, with a thought on Mac Jones. Hi, Dave. Hey, how's it going? How you doing? Uh, yeah, good. You know, it's funny you were just talking about uh, Purdy, and, you know, he reminds me a little of Zappy. But, uh, yeah, I just want to say that, you know, it seems like lately around here – Mac Jones gets all this love and forgiveness when he hasn't done a thing. And I just don't, I agree the the tools around him are not great, but I don't think he's the answer. I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Mac Jones. There's something off with him. Uh, you know, the, the, the whining and all that, it's just, it's bizarre. I don't think he's proven anything and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pats move, move on from him. Yeah. You know, Dave, you might be right. You might be right about that, and if they do, I think that would be a trend. Thanks for the call. If they do, I think that would be a uh, a real admit uh, admission that they screwed up. You move on from Mac Jones, and you got to admit that you screwed it up. You had a guy in a playoff game in a Pro Bowl, like, and then it got screwed up. And how'd that happen? Well, you screwed it up. That's how. Um, win a Super Bowl with Mac Jones? How about win a playoff game? <laughs> That's let's start, you know, baby steps here. I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with him either. I don't know if you can win a playoff game. But I will say this. You can have a bitchy quarterback. And I don't know that, I mean, Mac sort of, you know, he's exhibited some bitchy tendencies here and there on the sidelines and otherwise. 
But you can win with a bitchy quarterback. You can. Ask the Packers. They won a Super Bowl with, well, now I don't even know if that's the right word to describe him now. Now he's like, now he's crazy. He's off the reservation a little bit now. But uh, Braddy kind of complains a lot. Standoffish with the coaching staff. I mean, you can win with a guy like that if he's good enough. You can win with someone who maybe even the team doesn't all love, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, you see the way the ex-teammates are reacting to him failing in Denver this year? He wasn't some he wasn't some super popular guy in that in that locker room. Uh Peyton Manning sure complained a lot. <laughs> you know, he's an all-time great quarterback, but I mean, you can win with a guy like that so long as they're good. Mac Jones, I think the jury's still out right now. The jury's still out on what he is and what he can be. I'll tell you what's got me a little bit uh, nervous about him and his future is that when he came out of the draft, we were told that, yeah, maybe his arm strength isn't top-notch, okay? And maybe he's not really good at running and eluding and getting uh, away from the pass rush. But what he really is good at is... Uh, adjusting the plays, reading defenses, his mind, the way he dissects things, going through his progressions, finding the open man, leading the open man, throwing it where only his guy can get it, that sort of accuracy, all of that. That was what, when we sort of, you know, were looking at his draft combine stuff and seeing, well, he's not the, not the biggest arm there and he's not exactly an amazing athlete, but here's what he does well. Has he been doing that well this year? When you look at Mac Jones and you think about the season he's had, do you consider all those things that he's been doing well? Because I don't know how you possibly could. I think he did those things well last year in his rookie season. This year, I don't know I don't know where any of that went. And I think that some of those things can still be applied to an offense that may not exactly be the offense that you were expecting coming into this season. So use some of that use some of that great that big brain ears there, Mac, and maybe figure it out. You know, that's that's the most I can say. Because eventually, you know, I'll defend you and I'll continue to defend him and say that this isn't all his fault. But eventually, you got to start. It's your career, all right? You know, you got you got to start shouldering some of this uh, on your own. And that's how it is for almost every other quarterback in the league. The only reason Mac's sort of getting a pass here is because of the circumstances that he's under and the fact that it's his second-year player. But just about every other quarterback in the NFL doesn't get this much leeway, and he's getting a ton of it. I'll agree with that. Uh, 617-779-7937. is your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little Bruins. Uh, Bruins lost to the Kings the other day, and uh, the Celtics having a rough night. Red saw a lot of people having a rough week this week. We'll get to all of that next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 